The good word today, again, is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're talking about stewardship. We focused our attention on verses 1 through 6. Paul had come from Philippi where he had been greatly mistreated, shamed, humiliated, outraged. Paul could have quit. He could have done like many Christians. Nobody appreciates me. Nobody's concerned about my work. No one loves me. I'm going to quit. I'm going to go back to Tarsus and make tents the rest of my life. But Paul didn't quit. Now, what kept Paul going? A salary? No. Popularity? Far from it. What kept Paul going? One word, loyalty. Paul had been called to be a steward. He says in verse 4, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel... Paul said, God has honored me. Men have humiliated me. But Paul said, God has honored me to call me into the ministry and to give into my trust his blessed word. I can't let him down. You know, there's a great need for loyalty these days. People take their churches for granted, their pastors for granted. Multitudes of people join churches and never go back, never give, never pray, rarely attend. If they do attend, rarely invite anybody else to come along. There's not much loyalty these days. Men are lovers of their own selves and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Paul wasn't like this. Paul said, I am a steward and I'm going to be faithful. If it costs me my life, I'm going to be faithful. Now we saw in our last study that God gave the gospel to Paul And Paul, in turn, entrusted the gospel to other Christians like Timothy, and he exhorted them, in turn, to entrust the gospel to faithful men who, in turn, could give the gospel to others. The word of God is a treasure God has entrusted to us. Now, sad to say, some churches, some denominations have lost this treasure. They've not guarded this treasure as they should. There was a time when if you said Baptist, you knew what a person believed. That's not true anymore because we have all kinds and varieties of people who call themselves Baptists. There are some who believe the word of God and some who deny the word of God, and yet they'll call themselves Baptists. And this is true of other denominations as well. Now, the word of God has been committed to our trust. And Paul says in verse 4, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. We have been made stewards of the gospel. Now, you and I are stewards of the Bible. Do you guard the Bible? If your pastor were to get up into the pulpit and preach something contrary to the word of God, what would you do about it? Is there literature being used in your church that is contrary to the Bible? What do you do about it? Do you allow things to come into your home that are contrary to God's word? What do you do about it? You see, it doesn't take long for us to lose this treasure. It doesn't take long for us to lose this blessed spiritual treasure that God has entrusted to us. Now, God has not entrusted the gospel to angels. They would take good care of it. Every job God ever gave to an angel was taken care of beautifully. But God has entrusted his word to man. And he says to us, be faithful. At the end of his life, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And there are many men today who have not kept the faith. They have denied the faith. They haven't been faithful stewards. 
Now, God has not only entrusted the gospel to us, but he has also entrusted spiritual gifts into our care and keeping. Over in 1 Peter chapter 4, take your Bible now, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, when you were saved, God gave you a spiritual gift. All believers have some kind of spiritual gift. It may not be the gift of preaching. It may not be the gift of faith, but you have some kind of spiritual gift. Now, Paul's not talking and Peter's not talking about natural abilities. It takes more than natural abilities to serve the Lord. Simply because a man has speaking ability does not mean he can pastor a church or preach. He has to have a spiritual gift. But Paul and Peter both tell us that these gifts are given to us to be used. We are to be good stewards of our spiritual gifts. We're to use these gifts for others, not for ourselves, but for others. And if we neglect these gifts, we could lose them. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Neglect not the gift that is within thee. Stir up the gift of God which is within thee. Stir it up, 2 Timothy 1.6. It's as though there were a dying fire down in Timothy's soul. And, and Paul wrote and said, Timothy, don't let this thing die. Now, this is true spiritually as well as physically. If you were to tie your left arm to your body and not use your left arm for several weeks, it would die. Whatever we don't use, we lose. This is true of spiritual gifts. Now, have you discovered what your spiritual gifts are? You are a steward of some kind of a spiritual gift. It may not be a great magnificent gift to be used on a platform. It might be a very quiet gift to be used in the home. But you have some kind of a gift Uh, In 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12, we have these gifts listed. There's even the little gift of helps. I thank God for people who have the gift of helps. There's the gift of administrations. Some have good organizational leadership ability. Are you using your gifts for the Lord? Now, we're stewards of these spiritual treasures. And Paul said, I want to be a faithful steward because this is all God requires of me and that is to be faithful. And if I'm faithful to God, he'll be faithful to bless. Now, back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul tells how he exercised this stewardship. You know, you and I as servants of the Lord cannot do whatever we want to do. We don't have the right to just act any way we want to act. There's a certain way to serve the Lord. I've heard people say, I don't care what his methods are as long as his message is right. That's not scriptural. There are some methods that are unscriptural. I've heard people say, well, methods change, but the gospel's always the same. Yes, methods do change, and the gospel is always the same, but there has to be a biblical method as well as a biblical message. And so here in chapter 2, Paul tells us what his scriptural, biblical, spiritual approach was as a steward. Notice now in verse 3, For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, 
nor of man sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. Now, Paul is pointing out here that there was a certain pattern that he followed. Uh, I've outlined these verses like this. If I'm going to be a faithful steward, there's a price to pay. Verses 1 and 2, you're going to suffer. If you and I are going to be faithful stewards, we're going to suffer. There is a price to pay. There's a pattern to follow. Verses 3 and 4, there's a pattern to follow. And there's a person to please. Verses 4 and 5, God is witness. We're trying to please God and not man. Let me take those three thoughts and expand them for just a while. First of all, there's a price to pay, verses 1 and 2. Paul wanted to be a faithful steward. This meant suffering. Now today, if you cater to the crowd, if you cater to the whims and ideas of men, you won't suffer. There's many a preacher and many a Sunday school teacher who has lost his ministry, lost his effectiveness because he tried to cater to the crowd. Paul said there's a price to pay if you're going to be faithful. I've made enemies by trying to be faithful to the Word of God. Now, if I know my own heart and I trust that I'm faithful here, I don't try to make enemies. I like people to like me. I want to be wanted. I don't want folks to look upon me as a crank, as some sort of an unusual, unique, odd uh, sort of a person, eccentric. I want people to like me. I'm normal. But I have, I have made enemies. I've cooled off some friendships because I've tried to be faithful to the Word of God. Jesus said the day is going to come when a man's foes shall be those of his own household. And there's a price to pay. Now, before you say, I want to serve the Lord, you better sit down and count the cost. There's a price to pay. Secondly, there's a pattern to follow. And here we're going to focus on uh, verse 3 and part of verse 4. There is a right message Paul said our exhortation, our preaching, was not of deceit. That word deceit means error. There's a right message. He said, I preach to you the right message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if a man is not preaching the right message, then he's not serving God faithfully. I don't care how popular he is. I don't care how big his church is. I don't care how, how gifted he may be, how many degrees he has. If a man is not preaching the right message, he is not a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, the steward does not invent a message. The steward was given the message. Verse 4, we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Paul didn't sit down and invent something to preach. He just simply took what God had given to him. Now, that's my job and that's your job. We are stewards of the message of God. So there's a pattern to follow. There's the right message. And there is the right motive. He said, our exhortation was not of deceit nor of uncleanness. Now, this word uncleanness means impure motive. Uh, I have before me the Amplified Translation, which reads like this, verse 3. For our appeal in our preaching does not originate from delusion or error or impure purpose or motive. Now, it's possible to preach the right message with the wrong motive. In Philippians chapter 1, while Paul was in prison, some of the Christians were preaching Christ, trying to add to Paul's discomfort. Paul said, I don't care. Christ is being preached, whether in pretense or in truth, and therein do I rejoice. Now, it's good to have that attitude. It's possible to preach the right message with the wrong motive. You can preach the right message for a motive of popularity or for a motive of making money or for a motive of gaining applause. 
or power. Now, motive is important. You know, if a right thing is done with the wrong motive, there's no blessing. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus pointed out that the Pharisees gave nothing wrong with giving, but they gave with the wrong motive. They prayed, nothing wrong with praying, but they prayed with the wrong motive. Now, motive is important. You ought to pray constantly that God will keep your pastor's motives pure. His motives must not be to please men. His motive must be to glorify God. So there's the right message. Our preaching was not of deceit. There's the right motive, nor of impure motive, nor in guile. There's the right method. Now, this word guile means to bait the hook. It means to use some deceitful means to get a result. And there's a lot of this being done today. Uh, Over in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul makes mention of this very problem. If you have your Bible in front of you now, 2 Corinthians and chapter 4 and verse 2. We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. 217. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. That means deal deceitfully with the word of God. But as of sincerity in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. And so Paul is saying here we had not only the right message and the right motive, we had the right method. We did not use deceitful methods to get people to come to Christ. Well, our time is just about up. I'll pick this up again next time, the Lord willing. This program is What's the Good Word? I'm Pastor Warren Wearsby at the Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky. I trust you'll tune in again next time to study the Word of God with us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 on What's the Good Word?